This is the BearCast, presented by Bird Culture and Ford. Bird Culture Ford has been in Waco since 1936. Ford is the number one selling truck in Texas, 43 years running. The BearCast is also presented by WellMed Medical Management and USMD Health System Dallas. Here's Craig Smoke and Grayson Grundhafer. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome into a brand new edition of the BearCast on Sikkim 365 Radio, Sikkim365.com. I'm Craig Smoke, Sikkim 365 team reporter, also radio host, and joined as always by Grayson Grunhafer, director of broadcasting, also team and recruiting reporter for, you guessed it, Sikkim 365. We got a big show this week, a huge reaffirmation of a commitment uh, has brought Baylor's 2023 class back into focus and has provided some clarity, and that will be the main story this week. We'll also dive a bit into some fall football talk as camp gets ready to open here later on this week. Uh, Baylor Bears will be back out on the field getting underway in preparation for the 2022 regular season. So uh, it's about that time, the offseason, giving way to the preseason, and uh, some good recruiting news to talk about. But Grayson, uh, without diving too much into it here in the intro, because we'll do that over the next few minutes, uh, how are you doing, first of all, this week? Yeah, I mean, I'm doing really good. I mean, th- this is one of those situations where, um, you know, it was a long process as far as recruiting, and it has been. But these last few months have just been really, really special, I think, for this Baylor coaching staff. And because of that, it makes my job really fun, right? Because I'm able to kind of um, see this coaching staff work, see them recruit kids, see them have a lot of success. And so, you know, it kind of culminated yesterday, and I've had a lot of fun, and it's made my week uh, really, really eventful, but also really enjoyable. Yeah, well, I want to say uh, congratulations to everybody involved in, especially you, in reporting the Austin Novosad story as uh, on what was that, Monday night? I'm trying to get my days here correct. It's Tuesday. We're recording a podcast. That's right. Uh, but no, on Monday night, uh, Austin had let it be known, I guess, through Twitter, uh, first of all, in the afternoon that uh, he was going to be, or I guess it was uh, various reports were out there that he was going to be making his final decision. You had, you know, referred to this over the last couple of weeks, but I guess it was like Monday afternoon we got word that, you know, hey, no, he's going to be making the call. So I know that we noticed that during the radio show. And 7.30 rolled around on Monday night, and uh, there was the tweet that finally dropped from Austin Novosad uh, announcing that he was going to be, uh, in his own words, 100% locked in, let's go Waco, couple of bear emojis, and sick him, and a nice graphic of uh, him uh, looking like a giant on top of uh, McLean Stadium uh, and, you know, draped out in the, the, the banana uniforms, the all yellows, uh, but you know, bottom line is uh, he's committed to Baylor. Uh, he's going to be committed to Baylor. He's going to sign to Baylor. And uh, we fielded, you know, no less than what feels like 100 questions over the last few months about Austin Novosad. And, you know, here came A&M and Ohio State and uh, Notre Dame. And uh, who else am I missing here? Stanford. Stanford was another one that, you know, at least academically you got to go, whoa, that's pretty impressive. Uh, but in the end, he's sticking with the Bears. Uh, tell us all about it. I know Sean Bell was thrilled. Uh, Dave Aranda had to be thrilled and, and everybody else involved, but this was something that you were all over. Um, and look, I know there's, you know, I'm not like trying to downplay anybody else. There's a lot of reporters out there that cover a lot of things. There's a lot of people that cover Baylor, but 
I can't imagine, and I think most people in here would agree, anybody covered it closer than you did, uh, and you, you nailed it. When a lot of people were fretting about this team or that team, and you said, no, I think he's going to end up at Baylor, and, well, he's going to end up at Baylor. Yeah, and I, I mean, I appreciate that, and I know a lot of people have covered this recruitment you know, very closely. And I know a lot of people have great relationships with Austin. He's such a people person. He's great to talk to and a a great um, man who's going to be on Baylor's campus, uh, I guess, really soon because he's going to early enroll. So it it was one of the weirdest recruitments that ended up not being so weird. You know what I mean? Like the kid literally said, hey, you know what? I'm going to take my time with this recruiting process. I want to go visit some schools. He got the Ohio State offer. He got the A&M offer. He got the Notre Dame offer, uh, got the Stanford offer, and he went and visited all of those schools because he wanted to see what those schools had to offer and compare them to Baylor. Um, And I think that meant the world to him because he was able to go and see these other places that he's never been to before. And then he gets back to Baylor on Saturday and is like, you know what? There's no place like home right? You know, that this is, this is where I'm meant to be. And I think he could more confidently say that because he got to go see these other schools and compare Baylor to them. So ends up being, he stayed committed the entire process, despite what, uh, other fan bases and some of the Baylor fan base said, uh, you know, that he's not committed and blah, blah, blah. He was always committed to Baylor. And from the moment he committed in December till now, always committed. He just wanted to go and do his due diligence, go check out these other schools. And he did that and decided that Baylor was still the place for him. I also want to mention, you know, I think Baylor fans also need to recognize the fact that, yes, he took his time with his recruitment. But think about how good of a thing that ended up being for not just him, but for the Baylor brand in general. I mean, he's the number 89 prospect in the entire nation now. Who knows if he would have gotten that bump had he not gotten these other offers. He went to the Elite 11, put on a show, and people were like, oh, you know, Ohio State's going to get this guy, or AM is going to get this guy, and he's going to do big things for their class. But it ended up being, he's just going to do those things for Baylor, the school he was committed to. And I think that national publicity and all of those things really um, help Baylor continue to build a brand. So I, I think it's a win-win situation for Baylor and for Austin at the end of the day. Yeah, in this cynical day and age, I actually had the thought, unfortunately, cross my mind of like, huh, I wonder if they set it up this way. Just because, mm-hmm. you know, you just, yeah, I, know, I know there are things that, you know, can be kind of massage as far as timelines and announcements, but that's like the cynic in me is like, oh, did they set it up? And the reason why I thought that is not like anything diabolical. It's more or less like, because this could not have come off any better, you know, given that there was some headaches along the way, that at least at the end of it, you got all of the publicity, you got articles now being written about Baylor's class and oh my gosh what a big deal that is for Novasad to pick them in the NIL era especially over you know schools like well A&M that are known for being very active especially in the NIL era uh, I think that that speaks you know loudly and proudly about the Dave Aranda's football team so I don't think that they did that but I almost thought that just because of like wow what a PR maneuver to mm-hmm. you know have him all this entire time and then be able to maneuver it to where you get this big splash right before camp starts. So whether, you know, that was ever crossed anybody's mind or this is just the way it all naturally worked out, like it worked out well for Baylor in the end, bottom line. Yeah, it definitely did. And I mean, now you look at, and this is Baylor's, I I know people have posted tweets about this. I just want to clarify. Uh, Jarrett Stidham is technically the highest rated quarterback Baylor's ever um, been able to land. In a class, he was the number 38 composite player in the entire nation for his class, the number one quarterback. Austin is second on that list. 
So Jared is the only Baylor quarterback ever who had a higher ranking than Austin did. Um, I found that to be a pretty interesting nugget, but you're exactly right. I, I think that this ended up working in Baylor's favor at the end of the day. I think that it worked in Austin's favor too because he got to truly make a decision instead of just being like, eh, I'm not going to go look at any other schools. I'm not going to, uh, I'm just going to sit back and just stick with Baylor and not explore other options. So it worked out for him as well. Um, so at the end of the day, you know, I, I think both sides are very happy. Austin got a huge rankings boost after earning more offers which is cool as well, and also because of his Elite 11 performance. And I think there should be another jump that comes. Now, will it happen now they solidified his commitment to Baylor? That I don't know. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, he's the number 89 quarterback according to 247, and composite-wise, he's the number 155 player in the entire nation. Yep, uh, and he is also now, uh, I see, being mentioned in an article by The Athletic, just like we were talking about, uh, to keep a player like Nova Sad, one who had offers from premier programs and big-time conferences, sends a message that Baylor's a destination. There's Ari Wasserman uh, in The Athletic with a piece because of Nova Sad. So there you go. There's the positive benefits already being felt, and there will be many other outlets that write about this uh, story and subsequently write about the class itself and then Dave Aranda, and you can't help but see the good news last night and think about just the way this offseason has gone from the draft and man, also in there, uh, you know, I got a draft piece or not a draft piece, but an NFL camp piece I've been working on. It's very fluid because there's already a couple guys who have dropped off since I started writing it. Um, unfortunately, Raleigh Tejada got cut. Unfortunately, uh, Mark Vital got cut as well. Henry Black's already moved teams, and there's you know, like there's just like a lot to keep track of right now because a large portion of the guys they have in the NFL are like kind of borderline type of guys, but. Circling back, they've got this new draft class that's provided some excitement. Uh, they've got that that they built off from May. And then, you know, just what happened prior to that with the season, the way that ended last year. Now you're, you know, getting through these last few months of the offseason with relatively little change. You had like Bohannon's transfer, but outside of that, like nothing major. And then that slid you into media days where you're picked to win the Big 12. And then you have this Nova side uh, decision. So, I mean, point being, they've been on a pretty good run. Like, they couldn't have really set it up any better than it's gone this offseason in terms of just not really, like, overhyping, but having some hype along the way and pretty much everything that you'd want to have happen kind of happened for them. I mean, whether it's been the attrition working out in their favor or the NFL draft working out in their favor or recruiting working out in their favor as they are number 15 in the country right now, um, and, you know, are sitting at 23 commits, and now their quarterback cemented himself, and, and that would solidify this class in, in ways that we probably don't even realize. So it's just – it's uh, it's been, a, I'm sure, some by design and some by just pure luck, but, you know, however they've constructed this offseason, it's been a really nice follow-up to a championship run and, and leads you to believe that that's not the last time we're going to be using the words championship with this program. Yeah, and you did mention solidify things. This does solidify Baylor probably as a top 25 class this year, which is something that I expected. But again, you just never know. Um, but Baylor's been able to build this class up and keeping uh, someone like Austin in the class is huge. I mean, it keeps the ranking really high. And so now it, it's going to be really hard for Baylor to not finish inside the top 25 for the first time since 2014. Um, I do want to mention one thing, though. You know, I, I do kind of want to talk a little bit about the fact that Sean Bell, Dave Aranda, Jeff Grimes, um, specifically Sean Bell, what he was able to overcome, you know, in this recruitment and being able to win a battle like this. Um, 
we got to remember, like, A&M, Ohio State, Notre Dame, they don't have quarterbacks currently committed. It's not like they were trying to take Austin just as the best player available. They're all trying to get a quarterback for their 2023 class, and they did everything they could to flip Austin. And you're talking about guys like, you know, Ryan Day, he's about to have three straight quarterbacks go top 15 in the NFL draft. That's super appealing to any quarterback in the country, yet it didn't move the needle for Austin. And then they went out and got Brock Glenn, which I kind of thought was going to happen from the beginning. Um, So they added him the other day. And of course, Ohio State fans are like, oh, well, we got Brock Glenn. So then Austin made his decision. And I'm like, no, Ohio State was out of it (laughs) before they got the commitment of Brock Glenn. Uh, A&M, Jimbo Fisher, he's had very good quarterbacks, you know, you, you think about Jameis uh, specifically, but he's had other good quarterbacks as well. And people talk about him as a quarterback whisperer. That hasn't really been the case in recent years, but um, he's, he's got a good a, track record. He's good at getting guys drafted high. He is. After that, it's a total crapshoot, but right. yeah. And then they also have momentum recruiting-wise. They had the number one class of all time last year. Sean Bell, Dave Randa, Jeff Grimes, they beat that. Notre Dame, some of the best history in all of college football. Might be the most prestigious program in college football historically. Uh, beat them as well. And I just think it speaks volumes to what this staff is doing. I also want to kind of just be sure to tell people, you know, this is the first time really since that 2016 recruiting cycle where Baylor had momentum like this where it's like sustained momentum with Dave Randez, the coach, with, um, you know, winning a Big 12 championship, having all this, like, momentum in the conference where people literally look at you as a Big 12 favorite, a school that can win the Big 12 every year. And it hasn't felt like this since the 2016 class, which would have been, you know, probably a top 15 class had things not um, happened the way they did with our Brawl. So, um It's really impressive where the program is at, and winning a battle like this only solidifies things and continues to build that brand that Baylor keeps talking about. That person over player brand and Baylor as a national brand continues to grow with wins like this and just with what they're doing as a program. Yeah, it's uh, been quite the run. As I mentioned a few moments ago, I mean, going back to last season and unexpected uh, in many ways, Big 12 championship. I mean, you might have predicted it before the season, and even then you were a little bit crazy to do that just because you, you really had to have belief in what they were doing because we hadn't seen the substance to actually really roll with it. Um, but I know there were people like yourself that were confident in them last year, but even still after the TCU game, I mean, nobody was sitting there going, oh, yeah, they're still going to win this tie. No, everybody had pretty much lost hope at that point, even though the door was open. And yet uh, they used that little crack in the door and then, you know, saw the light on the other side and pursued it and went after it hard. And uh, they've just been, you know, uh, in the light, uh, the spotlight ever since then in in all good ways. Uh, Like I said, from the way the season concluded uh, to the draft to um, recruiting and, and all points in between a successful media day a couple weeks ago. And, um, yeah, now the, the commitment, uh, recommitment, however you want to phrase it, of Austin Nova said, life is pretty good for Baylor football at the moment and now camp kicking off here in a couple of days. So a lot of fun going on and a major announcement. You know, you definitely don't want to get into the habit of guys having to recommit, so to speak, but I think this was a situation that, 
you know, was obviously a bit uh, unique because of just the amount of attention that he was suddenly getting from major programs, as you outlined. It all And it all happened over, like, the last few weeks of where it was like, oh, boom, here comes Ohio State. And then, oh, boom, all of a sudden there's A&M. And then, boom, there's Notre Dame. Exactly two months. Yeah. June 1st, he got the Ohio State offer. His recruitment ended on August 1st. So, literally, two-month period with yeah. all this happening. Most, you know, most recruits don't get that kind of just buzz in that short of time. And also with the Elite 11 being smack dab in the middle, that also made things really intriguing as well. So very interesting storyline, like I mentioned, and very what felt like a very crazy recruitment ended up not being that crazy. You know, he never flipped. He never uh, really wavered. Um, you know, Baylor was always the place for him. Yep, so uh, great job by Grayson covering that and everybody else that was involved as well. Uh, I know that you just got done talking to uh, Austin a little while ago. That interview's out on uh, the YouTube page, and um, you know, we'll you'll see. I'm sure you'll see it all over the website and, and everything else. But can you kind of give us just a little bit of an idea of what you guys talked about and what his message was? Yeah, and we'll have it linked at the end of this video as well, so people can go listen to it and watch it. Um, you know, we pretty much just went through kind of what his process was like and kind of what it what he learned through the process of going through this and going to these other schools and learning what they had to offer and kind of just how much it brought him back to Baylor. You know what I mean? Like he, he went and saw all these other options, met all these unique coaches with unique personalities and uh, very different programs and ended up just saying, you know, he got back to Baylor on Saturday and it was just, this is it. This is home. I know where I want to be. This solidifies things for him. And um, yeah, I think that was the big part. We talked a little bit about Sean Bell and kind of his role in his recruitment. I mean, very influential and a guy that just, they talked all the time. I mean, all the time. Uh, I, I don't think there's another coach that worked as hard as Sean Bell did uh, trying to recruit Austin. Uh, he talked about how excited he is for the season coming up, you know, kind of his expectations for when he gets to Baylor. He'll be early enrolling as well, which we've mentioned before. Um, so we talked a little bit about that. Um, but mainly it was centered all around just kind of this two-month period, just kind of what led to his decision to re reaffirm his commitment to Baylor and what the process was like for him. And those were some of the main things. I think Austin just in general is a very um, calm, cool, and collected individual. And just everything that he says makes you go, oh, man, he's going to be a great fit for Baylor. Or, oh, man, he, he can do some really special things because his head is in the right place and he knows where he wants to be. I think that's so important and something that a lot of people are missing throughout this process is – and he mentioned this, you know, he wanted to go see other schools. He wanted to see what was out there, but that all led back to Baylor. And so a lot of guys who commit to Baylor and didn't get their dream offer, didn't get that big time offer, they probably sit there and, you know, some of them probably wonder, oh, what if I would have gotten that offer? Austin's not going to have that. Austin is in a situation where AM was his dream school. AM was the school they grew up cheering for, but at the end of the day, it just led him right back to Baylor. So we talked a little bit about that. It's a great interview, so I definitely suggest and encourage any Baylor fan to definitely give it a listen. Yep, uh, check that out over at Sikkim365.com and, of course, uh, on YouTube as well. Uh, look up Sikkim365. Is that on the, what, 365 Sports, the Baylor Bears no, on Sikkim365? it's on the CFB with JD okay. channel, and then it's on uh, Sikkim365, Twitter, um, all of those places with, uh, yeah, just on Sikkim365.com. All right, so uh, there's the latest on Austin Novosad, uh, committed to Baylor. That's now a non-story as far as, you know, the other teams that have pursued him and uh, 
the fretting over, you know, what's going to happen if he bails and then they have got no quarterback target and all that. I mean, everything that came with his commitment and then the outside attention and the uncertainty, all of that now cleared up. Uh, he's, you know, in, in, the, in the driver's seat as far as this class and, uh, you know, the future at quarterback and all those things. So uh, massive news for Baylor this week. And uh, as I mentioned, there's a lot of other stuff uh, going on as well. Just this past weekend, I mean, there was camps going on. And uh, I know Garrett told me that, you know, speaking of quarterbacks, they had like a billion quarterbacks that, that were out mm-hmm. there at camp. But uh, just, you know, without diving too into it too crazy or, or too in-depth, what was kind of the, the gist that you received or, or, you know, took away from camps this weekend? Yeah, I mean, they also had a... I guess social media sensation at quarterback Mikey Gow, who is a yeah. ambidextrous quarterback. So he was on campus. He can throw left-handed or right-handed. So that's kind of cool. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, it's a little gimmicky. You know, you can maybe do it on a couple plays here or there, but I mean, you obviously have to pick one. You know, you're going to base a whole offense around throwing it with your right, right. hand. But anyway, so that was kind of interesting. They had Kelvion Riggins, who's one of the best uh, players in the entire country, period. He's a 2025 linebacker out of South Oak Cliff. Um, that program is just on the rise right now. They, they have a lot of talent, and he's a very, very big part of that. Uh, so he was there. Um, you know, Harry Stewart, really good running back in the 2024 class, um, four-star type. Uh, Aaron Flowers, four-star defensive back. Uh, actually had an article on him. Baylor's his leader right now. He's a four-star DB. Uh, worked out at corner, um, but could also play safety. I think that's probably his better position in college as well. So there's there's a couple. I mean, there, there were a lot of um, guys there. And what Brian and uh, what I've gathered from Brian and Garrett is that it was a really good camp. Travis as well. And I, I think the biggest takeaway, though, was that Austin competed, right? And Austin threw the ball to Micah Gifford a whole lot. They scored touchdowns on the day. It was kind of an unfair matchup. Um, and, yeah, they, they clearly have a connection, and that's one of Austin's best friends in the class as well. So I think that's pretty cool that they were able to, to do that on the field while getting coached by Dallas Baker and Sean Bell. Yeah, uh, Sean Bell, another mention for him. Big, big week and uh, definitely one of the, the bright young coaches in the game. Uh, and there's others on this staff that you could say that about as well, whether I mean, it be Baker, Mateos, whoever. Yeah, I mean, Craig, think about the risk that Sean took by not taking a quarterback in the 2022 class. I mean, isn't that crazy? I mean, a lot of people thought he was crazy for not taking a quarterback in that class and just kind of questioned it. But instead, he locked in Austin and then was able to keep Austin. I mean, if they didn't land Austin, that would have been, oh, it would have been very, very difficult for me to see a way that they were able to kind of rebound from that at the QB position outside of maybe the transfer portal. Um, So this is massive for him. Absolutely massive. He spent, you know, basically a year and a half on on recruiting Austin, and it it paid off, right? Yeah, no, it, it has so far. I mean, they're getting a lot of positive attention. There's a, a lot of momentum that comes with that uh, decision as well. So, uh, you know, hopefully he has a big senior year, bump that rating up a little bit, and uh, just help, you know, close out the rest of this class and uh, help it, you know, finish top 15. That would be massive uh, step forward for this football program. And, and yeah, you start to think about, uh, I think you mentioned it earlier, the last time they were kind of in this position, and it was uh, about 2016 before, you know, uh, for lack of a better term, all hell broke loose around here, and everything just kind of blew up. And, um, you know, that's that's the last time we were kind of in this spot uh, where they had been in the driver's seat of, of the Big 12, like they are right now, coming off of a title, uh, recruiting the best class they've ever had, perhaps, on paper, 
and you know a season coming up where you're excited about what they could do and you definitely feel like they could go back to back and you feel like they're kind of building something and knocking on the door and all that was going on back then and then all of a sudden boom like it all came to a to a stop very suddenly uh and then all was also not so suddenly very drug, dragged out and just you know all of that don't have to rehash it but that's the last time they were kind of here and it kind of makes you nervous in a way because it's like oh my gosh what's on the other side of this well it's untapped potential and i've said for years now of you know stepping stone jobs and whatever people want to refer to and all the speculation about aranda last off season when you know there was the usc job open and oklahoma job was open and all that you know i don't know if aranda's the guy but he sure seems like he fits the mold to be the guy that finally sticks around and just sees what can be built and uh yeah i think you're starting to see the very beginnings of that and you know, the fact that you're not building it off of just pure, unadulterated hope and, and just optimism like some are trying to build their programs right now because that's all they can really do is build off that. I mean, you're not only building off of optimism and hope and promise, but you're building off of like, I don't know, a Big 12 title, a Sugar Bowl title, and all that came with that. So, you know, things that people are promising, you've already done that. Now it's like, hey, build off of that um, and not just build towards that. And so they're they're already in a different stratosphere in that way. I mean, they were playing in those types of games back then, but they hadn't bust through and won one just yet. I mean, they've already done that. And and so, yeah, it's just uh, you try not to get too crazy and too ahead of yourself, but where they are at the moment is pretty rare territory for this program. And you're just uh, very curious. I know I am to see, you know, how this season plays out and how they continue to build off that and where they can take this this thing because uh, it does feel like sky's the limit. And it's, it's a place that we have never seen uh, they've been before, really. Yeah, and that that's kind of what I was saying. I mean, like, 2016 is the closest, I think, um, to having that kind of momentum. Because they mm-hmm. were getting there, right? Like, they had won yeah. two Big 12 championships, had another 10 season. One I mean, of the hottest programs in the country. Right. You know, them in Oregon for uniforms and, um, you know, was, yeah, there's, uh, I think it was back then, you know, a lot of the just vibes were, you know, very much in their favor and they were – getting a really good recruiting class uh, in 2017 on paper. Those, you know, I think Baron Browning probably was going to still end up at Ohio State ultimately, but everybody else might have stuck. Yeah. Kellen Mond and... Jamon Osborne, yeah. Hezekiah Jones. I mean, they had a good class, and it was going to get better. Well, like, yeah, because it was early. Guys. It was only yeah. spring when that mm-hmm. class was put together, and then everything happened. So right. they didn't even get into the summertime with that group, um, and Browning had decommitted before then. But, but still, like, that was where we were, and then everything changed, and then it's been the last four years of trying to get back to that point and then now they're there i think they are you're right yeah they're there and i think they're also at a point i think at that time it was kind of like man baylor and oklahoma they've pretty much taken over the conference and now at this very moment i mean it, baylor could be by themselves if they're able to go out and win another big 12 championship i mean it might legitimately be their league um, uh, yeah, I mean, with Texas and OU leaving, right, because they're going to the SEC, Oklahoma State is really the only other team that I think could lay claim to that in the conference. So they're in a great position in comparison to the opposition as well, kind of like they were in 2016. Yeah, and it's obviously unique that a couple of those schools will be leaving. One of them is actually a contender year in and year out in Oklahoma, and yeah. um, very curious. They might be again this year. There's a lot of promise around Venables and the way he's recruiting and all of that, you know, UT, like, it's almost like you have to mention them, even though they don't really deserve it. But, you know, ultimately, one year they might. Maybe that's this year. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, if, yeah, if Baylor were to go to win another title this year and have gone back-to-back, uh, whew, that would be 
That would be wild. That would be really wild to see kind of what the reaction would be uh, if Dave Aranda were able to pull that off in th- his first three years. I mean, that would be that would be pretty nuts. So let's hope that happens. That would be fun to cover. And uh, even if it doesn't, uh, it's already been fun to cover these last few months and, and look forward to seeing where where they go next, uh, which is to try and go win another Big 12 title here starting in about a month from now. So uh, there's the big news this week. Austin Nova said, I mentioned a couple NFL notes at the top. Hopefully I'll have that article done soon, but it's kind of tedious when you get into so many guys who are kind of fringe players and the rosters are changing. But I did want to mention Raleigh Tejada, released by the Packers. Um, uh, Mark Vital. Uh, his time with the yeah. Chiefs comes to a yeah. close. Uh, outside of those two, Henry Black signing with the Falcons after uh, getting released by, gosh, who was he just with? Um, mm, he was with the Packers, and then he moved to another team, and then he got released the Giants. He was with the Giants for like two months and then got cut, and then he signed quickly with the Falcons. Besides that, I think everybody's pretty much in the spot they were in a couple of months ago, but... Um, outside of that, not much to report. I did see some positive notes on Denzel Mims earlier. He apparently had a good practice. Tristan Ebner has had a couple moments. So Terrell Bernard's had a couple moments. So, like, it's training camp. It's kind of hard um, to know like what's news and what's not because there's a bunch of people just out at practices commenting and play-by-playing practices, and that's not always indicative of you know how somebody stands in the locker room. But I think uh, Baylor's rookies and – and some of their NFL guys are having, you know, pretty good moments in camp so far. So we'll see where that goes. That will be a very fluid process. All right. Uh, outside of that, um, we got fall camp coming up. Yeah. And uh, there's obviously a lot of expectation, a lot of uh, hope and hype. And uh, there's a title to defend, although this is a brand new team. So we can kind of start just not even talking about the title anymore at this point. But they are the defending champs. Um, the schedule's tough. We know that. That's what's really preventing me from going all in on a repeat uh, title is the fact that they are going to be playing so many games on the road against tough competition. Um, but, you know, on paper, I'm not, you know, not going to say that I don't think that they can go and win. It's just it's hard for me to envision right now them going and winning a bunch of road games like they'll have to do. But I certainly think that this team's going to be in the mix. So, um Without going into like a four-hour preview of this football team, uh, let's just kind of quickly preview. Uh, how do you want to do this? Just kind of go position group. Yeah. Um, but let's fly through quarterback. We got Blake Shapin now in the saddle. Uh, yeah. That's the big news, obviously, from this offseason. For sure. Blake Shapin went out, won the job over Gary Bohannon. So they're, they're in a great spot at quarterback. And now it's just figuring out, you know, I think um, if you kind of look down the depth chart a little bit, you're trying to figure out what's Luke Anthony going to do? What's he going to bring to the table? You know, what's his health looking like? And then Kyron Drones, of course, who's probably going to be the backup quarterback for Baylor this year. Those are the only questions, though, at quarterback. And and then the main question is how good's Blake Shapin, right? You know, how healthy can he keep himself and, um, you know, how good can he be in this offense? And does he take this offense to another level this year? And I think based on them making this decision to go with him, I, I think uh, signs are definitely pointing in the right direction. Uh, yes, quarterback, you're feeling pretty good about running backs. You got Tay McWilliams, you got Craig Squirrel Williams, and uh, some others uh, that will be a part of the mix. But those are kind of the two that stand out uh, right off top. Yeah, and then the only question is, will there be a third? You yes. know, are they actually going to use a third running back to try to keep Squirrel healthy? Um, 
possible, you know, if you get into the red zone. The problem is Squirrel's such a good red zone running back, as we saw in the spring game. Um, but I do think if you kind of look around, you go, okay, Josh Fleeks could be an asset in the receiving game out of the backfield, and maybe Jordan Jenkins gets in there to be kind of a power back to complement the running backs that they have. Uh, but I think at the end of the, day, at, of the day, Squirrel and Tay, I think that's your one-two punch, much like Ebner and Abram were a year ago. Uh, wide receiver, that's the big wild card question mark. Some good young players, but nothing to write home about that's all that proven at the moment. Uh, RJ Sneed's now playing for Colorado, and outside of that, everybody else is in the pros, uh, with Tyquan Thornton being the, the headliner last year. Uh, so a lot of guys to, you know, again, be uh, – excited about in terms of their promise and things that we've heard you know hey how Presley can be that guy one day or Josh Cameron or whoever but they've got a whole lot of unknown there right now that's that's one of their bigger question marks on this entire team yeah I think the only two things that are for certain at the wide receiver position is that Monterey Baldwin is going to get the majority of his snaps in the slot and Josh Cameron is going to be in the two deep those are the only two I think for certains that we have and, mm-hmm. and I think those are pretty good bets uh, to, to actually happen. So then you got a competition with Hal Presley, Jalen Ellis, Seth Jones, Armani Winfield, Javon Gibson, like a lot of guys who are competing for a big role on this team. So I'm very curious how Armani Winfield developed. Is Jalen Ellis going to be healthy? Is Hal Presley going to be healthy? Those are some of my questions. And then also very curious about the arrival of Jordan Neighbors, um, the talented four-star freshman. I think he's so explosive and it's going to be hard to keep him off the field but I would love it if they were able to redshirt him and only play him four games just because it's nice to have a little bit of separation between him and Armani if possible yeah and with as much unknown as there is I think this should also provide some clarity on kind of the wide receiver group as a whole mm-hmm. like uh, are some guys going to eventually settle in or you gonna have to cut bait uh, you know sooner rather than later you know just in terms of that room and Guys that have come in over the last couple of years, and some of it's weeded itself out, like Jackson Gleason decided to hang up the cleats, and we had had a couple of years where we were kind of waiting on him. But, but yeah, it's like time, like, hey, Seth Jones, where you at? You know, um, Jalen Ellis. Jalen Ellis, where you at, man? Like, it's time for those guys to start, you know. Is Gavin Holmes going to be healthy? Is Gavin Holmes going to be healthy? I mean, and he's he's kind of running out of time, you know? So, yeah, there's there's question marks there at receiver. Um, some talented guys, but, again, nothing all that proven. Tight end, you feel pretty good about Ben Sims, probably the best tight end and, you know, one of the best in college football. Uh, certainly a guy who's looking to play his way into Sunday football. And then you got Drake Dabney, who's an excellent complimentary piece, and some young guys around that, but uh, a group that I think they feel pretty good about. Yeah, don't sleep on Drake Dabney at all. He's going to be a great red zone threat. And like you mentioned, Ben Sims, I I think he's going to have a breakout year. Uh, He already had one last year, but I think he could take it to another level this year. Kelsey Johnson could slide into an H-back role, maybe play some fullback um, potentially. And then also I'm curious if Kyan Roberts stays sticks at running back or if he does move back to tight end. I know he's going to stick on the offense side at least for the time being so I'm very curious where his body takes him and kind of where he kind of grows into the most during fall camp uh D-line just for the sake of time without breaking into like nose and tackles oh, oh, do you want to do or, or, yeah sorry O-line um yeah everybody's back yeah. um everybody's back except for one starter last year and um that's Xavier Newman Johnson who's now you know, trying to make his pro dreams come true as an undrafted free agent. Uh, but outside of that, everybody's back in the saddle. Yeah, one one massive position battle, and it's a top three position battle on the roster. Micah Mascua versus Moj Jeffrey. 
at that other guard spot to replace Xavier Newman Johnson. I'm very curious how that goes, and and both are very talented. It's just a matter of who's going to win the job. Moe's had an amazing spring, was able to get himself to a position where I think he's the favorite, but I think Micah might even be more talented than Moe's. So we'll see if he's able to uh, lock in a role in the offensive line and then development, right? That, that's a big time this fall uh, for guys to try to develop and get themselves in a position where they could play in the future. Um, guys I'm looking at there, Tate Williams, Alvin Ebosele, uh, Ryan Lingyell, um, Colton Price. There's a lot of different guys. And I also want to mention Elijah Ellis, just because Dave Aranda specifically mentioned him as a guy that they're going to have to rely on early in the season. So I'm very curious what that means for him. But my guess is he's probably going to be uh, the backup tackle to start the year. All right. Uh, defensive line wise, you've got uh, everybody again back on the D line, uh, and that's of course headlined by Apu Ika as far as the big man in the middle. You got the transfer coming in with Jackson Player from Tulsa, giving you some great depth uh, and some flexibility there as well. And then others, of course, like TJ Franklin uh, and Gabe Hall, and um, the list goes on. Um, Cole Maxwell, uh, and you know, so on and so forth. Uh, what the only departure with Josh Landry. Yeah, uh, this offseason, no, but um, yeah, I mean, the lines are the story of this football team, basically. Yeah, and I, I mean, like you said, the two deeps back um, and getting Apuika back, getting Jackson player in that provides depth. You have the upside with TJ Franklin and Gabe Hall, and then you have stability with Cheedy Cole and Bray Nutley. Um, I, I think it's a very talented group and one that has a lot of depth, which is really awesome to see. And you got some young guys as well. Trey Emery, Devontae Tizino, Cooper Lands. They're going to be trying to work their way up the depth chart as well and try to see a little bit of playing time. A linebacker. There were some losses there. Uh, Terrell Bernard, I was just reading up on him to make sure I had accurate info. He's not cracking the starting lineup right now with Buffalo, but he's playing behind a ridiculously talented D-line for the second year row, except for he's just doing it in the pros now. He's got some great players around him, and I think he's going to you know, definitely carve out a spot for himself, at least on special teams his, his rookie year. But he's a big loss, obviously. You know, Petrie kind of floated just in that back seven in general. He had an impact massively on just the, the defense as a whole. So he's a loss for everybody uh, just from a leadership standpoint. And, um, you know, Dylan Doyle's got to be the guy that's kind of, you know, leading the charge now at this point. So you don't have a massive, massive drop-off because Doyle was obviously a big part of what you did. But uh, outside of that, you know, even with a Bryson Jackson coming back who's played a bit, uh, it still is a little bit of a question mark. I mean, they they have some guys, but, um, you know, you're, you're losing some players that were really important pieces to what you did. Yeah, good news is they return guys who have a lot of snaps. Yeah. They might not have been starters, but Matt Jones, his name definitely has to come up in this group as a depth piece, maybe even a starter at will. I know a lot of people think that could be the case. He's probably the favorite if he actually does start out there. So we'll see what happens with him. Um, you know, Garmin Randolph at Jack, he's played a ton of snaps. I think he's going to be the starter at the Jack position for Baylor next year. You mentioned Bryson Jackson as a third down demon, just a guy that's going to absolutely get after the quarterback every time he's on the field. So you have talent there and you have guys that have played a lot of snaps. Now it's just putting it all together. And then obviously the will position is the most intriguing because Matt Jones could play there. He could play the, the Jack position. He could be the backup Mike and still see a lot of snaps. Um, but I think they're going to need to find a way to get Josh White on the field, the transfer from LSU. I think his speed, his athleticism is something unique to the position. And then 
then also don't forget about Will Williams. He had a very nice spring, and I think he's a guy who's uh, proven himself as a very good football player as well. So it's kind of mixing and matching all these talented guys and getting them on the field. And that's not even talking about the Jack, where you got Jackie Marshall as a potential guy who could come in and eat up some snaps as well. So very talented group, but yes, a few holes where you're trying to figure out, okay, do you play the safe floor or do you go for some upside at the position? Yeah, uh, should have mentioned Josh White is one of their big transfer guys, uh, along with Jackson Player. Uh, that was their their big get, and uh, excited to see uh, what he can do since uh, coming over from LSU. Uh, at corner, uh, you lost Kalen Barnes and Raleigh Tejada. I mentioned Tejada, unfortunately, uh, earlier, getting cut by Green Bay. I think Kalen's in for a fight in Carolina, even with the friendly staff there. I mean, just as a seventh-round pick. It's, you know, it's an uphill battle for him. Um, but as of now, he's still on that roster. Uh, he was hit or miss, you know, obviously super talented, but hurt sometimes and, and whatnot. But, I mean, you lost your, you lost your corners. Uh, but Al Walcott comes back, uh, Mark Milton comes back, and then you got a bunch of young guys beyond that. Uh, so I know that they like that group, but there's also um, – there's, there's questions there to be had. I think it's more fair to have questions for the cornerbacks group. Yeah, and when we get to the safeties, I'll talk a little bit about the star, but I know there's been some speculation that Al Walcott could potentially play that position as well. So we'll see there. If he mm. does make that move, that makes me go, they must see something in their cornerbacks must that they have love. to. Yeah. Um, because if not, it's like, wow, this is an unproven position. But Mark Milton coming back gives you a little bit of stability there. And then you kind of look around and you go, man, okay, so – they got uh, guys like Tevin Williams, Reggie Bush, Chateau Reed um, as really, really good players who could come in and thrive early. A.J. McCarty as well. And they could be guys that are ready to step up. It's a very athletic group. It's just a matter of, you know, can they handle the nuances of the game and the ebbs and flows of a college football game and actually put their athleticism on the field? That's a huge question for me at the cornerback position, but I love the group talent-wise, and I, I think Kevin Curtis is a very good coach as well. Uh, who's the candidate to start a corner then if uh, he potentially moves a star? I mean, there's speculation. So it's like, okay, what if Lorando Johnson moved to cornerback and yeah. then Al Walcott moved to star, and then what do you do with Christian Morgan? There's a lot of questions to that, but I do think that if he did move, that would require them moving probably Lorando to corner. If they were to do that, I'm not sold that they're going to do that, though. Al played a vital role for them at cornerback and just so physical on the outside. I feel like it's hard to replace a guy like that. But in fairness, they did recruit him as a safety uh, when, when he first arrived at Baylor. Well, we'll see in a few days when they open up camp and we'll actually get confirmation. That's the one thing. Speculation's been great, but yeah. I've had about my fill at this point <laughs> and would like to just see actual right. football. For um, sure. I think everybody's kind of there at this stage. All right, so closing this out, safeties. Uh, Devin Neal's obviously a guy that a lot of people are excited about, but um, Christian Morgan is back as well. He's one of those players that decided to return. Uh, but you lost JT Woods. That was your big star in, uh, in the safety spots. Um, obviously, you're talking about different positions being played, so it's not like, you know, just JT's just a safety that leaves, but there's nuances to it, of course, and there's a lot of young guys back there as well. That's another group that's kind of a... You feel good about, but you're not really sure why you feel good about it. You just know they got some players, and you trust that Roberts and Aranda and company are going to get them ready. Right, and I, I include the star. I know stars and nickel, but it, I consider it a safety body type for the most part. And so I, I kind of look and go, okay, Christian Morgan appeared to be the star after spring, 
But now it's like, okay, they might move someone else in there. Lorando was playing star as well. So we're going to have to figure out that position. I don't exactly know what's going to happen there. That's a big question mark going in to fall camp. Now, on the back end, surprisingly, there's not much of a question mark because Devin Neal was basically entrenched as the starter the moment spring ball happened. And so was Devin Lemire. I mean, I didn't really hear any situation where someone was starting over either of those two guys. So it makes me think that there's a lot of confidence in those two and what they can do on the back end. I do think a guy like Devin Bobby could play a role. I like his game. He brings a lot of speed to the field as well. Um, and there's some young guys who could step up and play a role. Maybe a Cisco Castan. Uh, he's an interesting guy. Uh, Al Alfonso Allen is another one to keep an eye on. Um, so there's talent. But I think overall, in general, I think it's those three. I think it's Devin Neal, Devin Bobby, Devin Lemire. How about that, the uh, triple Devin? Yeah, uh, triple D. Hopefully it works. I mean, whatever combination. But uh, they need, you know, four or five Devins. Uh, hopefully yeah. hopefully they got their fill with, with, with those uh, guys, <laughs> and that, that'll be enough. But if they need more, I'm sure there's some other prospects out there they can go, go and search out. Right, and you could see, you know, Christian Morgan moving back to boundary and, and playing a role there, or Lorando Johnson moving to a, a different safety spot. So there's a lot of moving parts there, but that's just kind of where I'm at right now after spring ball and kind of what we saw in the spring game. All right, uh, and then special teams-wise, uh, you've got Isaac Power back as your punter. Uh, you've got, um, I mean, Hankins was your main guy, Isaiah Hankins, as field goal kicker last year. And then at punter, it was mostly, uh, the, or then kickoffs, excuse me, was, it's the Noah Rauschenberg show. Uh, and all those guys are coming back, so you shouldn't have too much. I'm sure, I mean, there will be competition and whatnot to see, you know, who's going to really be the field goal kicker. and who, You know, I mean, think of some of this is probably, you know, Kind of feels like it's set in stone, but they'll see, you know, what guys are looking like. But, yeah, I mean, you've got your legs back for, for 2022. So that's that's one nice thing to not have to worry too much about, I would think. Yeah, very good special teams. Very, very good special teams. I, I think that that's a great spot for Baylor to be in. I know Dave Aranda definitely values that position. So getting those guys back, having um, those positions solidified is going to make things really easy for this coaching staff for uh, special teams-wise. Yep. So, I mean, there's kind of a quick rundown of what uh, the, the lay of the land is in terms of uh, this football team as they are just a couple of days away now. Uh, the roster's online, which is nice to be able to check that out. We had a long stretch in spring where we couldn't see a roster, but it's good to see, like, kind of cross-check and do all of that. Of course, there were a couple of coaching changes uh, over the course of the offseason as well. And you're talking about Dallas Baker uh, coming in at wide receivers coach. Um, you also had um, – uh my gosh uh who's a special team slash safety yeah, coach college yeah. left to oregon chancy stuckey left to notre dame yeah but who replaced college i'm uh, blanking uh ronnie uh ronnie wheat yeah, yeah ronnie wheat uh couldn't couldn't come up with his name uh but yeah ronnie wheat also coming in uh was another change coaching staff wise uh brian bell came in as a quality control coach uh, that was just an interesting move behind the scenes, and they've been shuffling kind of the deck when it comes to recruiting and things like that. But yeah, not a not a wholesale change by any means, and and that's good coming off of a you know a, a year where you won a championship, so uh, pretty stable in that in that regard, and and that's where they sit. A couple coaching changes, but um, you know, Aranda tons of attention this offseason and still able to handle it all well and and now getting into year three will be very exciting to see what this 
team is capable of, but obviously riding a lot of momentum right now. So let's ride this on into the mailbag, and we got a lot of questions, Grayson, so let's be mindful of, of the time here and uh, and give everybody their adequate time as well. Appreciate a ton of you asking questions. Lavernia Bear, Grayson, is there anything about Austin's recruitment you might have been holding on to you can share now? Uh, backstory, thought process, did he ever really waver, et cetera? Um, there's a lot of rumors that he wavered. I know some people have said that. I I don't think that's accurate. I think that the other schools were pressing him really hard, but I don't think it was to the point where he was, you know, calling the coaching staff and being like, I'm decommitting. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think it ever got to that point. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think he did get pushed hard. He had to think about a lot of things going through all of these visits. Um, you know, there's there's not really anything that I would say is glaring or anything that I feel like I, I you know, can share that would be, you know, super helpful to anyone. I think I pretty much displayed it on the website. You know, I, I posted everything that I possibly could about his recruitment and tried to keep everyone up to date as up to date as possible. And truthfully, it's one of the best recruitments I think I've I've had in the regard of just being so up to date on pretty much all the information that he had just because I've got to build a relationship with him and his family so much. So, um, yeah, I, I wouldn't say that there's anything too crazy for me to share. Old Bear, how does the Novasad re-announcement affect our 24 class, higher-end wide receivers, running backs, et cetera, question mark? Yeah, I keep getting asked this, but Baylor's pretty much full. I mean, they might take one more wide receiver if they're able to flip a really, really good one. He said but, 24. Oh, 24. Oh, right, right. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess it helps. You know, you got your quarterback established. But most times, recruiting classes are more about who's your quarterback in your class. So yeah. kind of depending on who they land in 2024. Um, All they, right, Grayson, who's that going to be? I mean, they're... Enough they're, of the side crap. Let's get into the real great, story of the 24 quarterback. Great. I already <laughs> got a question about it. You know, where's Baylor stand with Derek Lagway? And I'm like, oh, yeah, I've seen on. him all over. He's got offers from everybody. everywhere. And yeah. I mean, that'd be great. He's a legacy. That'd be cool. Um, but I do think it's more about, in my mind, for 2024, it's more about how good does the offense look this year with Blake Shapin. Like, Blake Shapin's the guy right now. Yeah. You know, he's going to come out and have a really successful year. And I think that's going to show some guys like, oh, man, Baylor's got a high-powered offense, which is not something they could show last year. They could at running back, but not at receiver. You know, it was pretty much just Taekwon. And for as good as Taekwon was, he didn't even have 1,000 receiving yards. So that's just something to consider. They need to show, you know, a quarterback that can really really stretch a defense and take shots downfield. Uh, Scotty B, who has the highest ceiling, Baylor men's basketball, women's basketball, or Baylor football this Baylor year? Baylor men's basketball. Yeah, I think that's yeah, – they're national championship contenders, so you got to go with them. And I think, you know, football could flirt with, you know – I think they're second. The area with where they were last year, which was right on the cusp of the playoff. Uh, I do have more questions about just – the Baylor women in, in terms of where they are. I do too. Um, having lost an Alyssa Smith, it's kind of like, okay, where's the talent level now and where does uh, Nikki Collin kind of settle in? Because um, mm-hmm. it's not as much of a, just a guarantee as it was for, for so many years of where they were going to be at the you know the end of the regular season, so to speak. So, yeah, that that I would put third, uh, the Baylor women. Uh, Baylor football, two. Baylor men, uh, men's basketball, number one. He says, if you have to name percentage, what's the percentage the Big 12 doesn't get a football team in the college football playoff this year? If you had to name what Big 12 Yeah, I don't know how to – I stink at math, man, and numbers and all of that. I mean, I don't know, like, how to do a percentage, but, like, I don't know. 20% chance they they get somebody in? I, I mean, think, okay, so an 80% chance that they don't. 
Yeah. Okay. But wow. then that's the, again, like numbers yeah. in my head, I don't, I don't do this. Well. I think it's 50, 50. Okay. I think that's how it's been pretty much every year. Right. I think if we went and looked back, it's probably been of all the CFPs, the big 12 has been in half of them. Maybe well, I mean, no, Oklahoma's ever been allowed to uh, cross that threshold. And how many have they been to? Uh, Four. Yeah, how many of they won? Zero. Um, four. Right, yeah, something like four. Since 2014, they've been in three or four, and that's about half, so 50%. Yeah, I mean, sure. Uh, it's, it's not great odds, but it's fair odds. It's just, you know, you got to gotta beat Oklahoma, and somebody's got to let somebody else other than Oklahoma get into the tournament for once as well. You and know? you have to go 12-1 and one and hope that there's not – crazy outliers where you got a yeah. bunch of teams that are 13 and 0 or yeah something. if you have that happen then you're then you're in a fight but you know certainly two losses and you're done uh all right thanks scotty atx bear 20 college pro comp for nova sad yeah and i've actually brian has mentioned this name and this was a name that i i'd kind of thought about a little bit um he reminds me a little bit of matthew stafford um quite a bit actually uh, he's got a very strong arm. He's more of a pocket passer, but can extend plays at time. Um, and just a big arm, keeps his eyes downfield, can make all the throws, very comfortable in the pocket. So I think I would go with him. I'd probably, I'll look at it even more and see if I can't find another one. But that arm talent, it does remind me a little bit of Matthew Stafford. That's, uh, that's high praise. Uh, Stafford, of course, coming off of the Super Bowl with the Rams. So let's go to Yankee Bear. Are you glad the Nova battle has come to an end? You sleep well last night, GG? Yeah, I did, and I am glad it, it came to an end. I, you know, I was, I've been ready for this to end for a while, and I, I'm just happy that you know, he came to the decision himself and took his time and, and ended up, you know, it led him back to Baylor. Yankee also says Sikkim 365 had great coverage of Novasad's recruitment. Tens the new nine for Grayson's prediction for AN. Uh, that's Novasad to Baylor. I think you both deserve a raise. Now, who's going to be the next commit? Of course, there's always that question. <laughs> right. Um, well, thank you so much, Yankee Bear. Really appreciate it. Um, we do a great job, uh, everyone at Sikkim 365, of covering all kinds of stuff. So I'm glad I could contribute um, with this Novasad recruitment. As far as the next commit goes, I. Do not know. I would say my best bet would probably be um, Colleen Ellison, defensive lineman Brendan Bett. But that recruitment has taken a long time, um, and I'm kind of surprised it has. So I have some questions there, um, but he'd be probably my best guess at the moment. Zero margin error. I'd love to hear how Jackson Player is doing. I think in the weight room he's doing really well from everything that I've seen and read and everything that's been reported. Um, but I, I think with Jackson, we're probably going to know a lot more once fall camp starts. When we really get to see him on the field with pads on, I think he's going to be the primary backup nose tackle, and then I think he's going to get some reps at other positions as well because they're going to rotate him in a ton. He's going to play a lot of snaps, but they also want he and Apu very fresh especially late in the game, so they're able to grind out uh, those long drives against teams and be able to have both of them on the field at times and be able to rotate them often. Yeah, I hope with um, with those guys, and you think of like Gabe, uh, Gabe Hall and just all the talent they've got on the line, I hope that they can stay healthy just to see what they're yeah. capable of doing uh, because the idea of uh, Randon Roberts and, and those toys being able to you know play with a – you know, fronts like that, it's going to be a lot of fun to see, 
you know, what they're able to come up with and, and how they're able to execute it. Uh, Bobbert Rollsby, he not gone. I have no idea what that's in reference to. Do you have any idea? I do. So one of the uh, board members for literally the last two months, every single thread that I've posted, he would post, he gone. Okay, he I guess gone. I just haven't noticed. One. I think it was Green Bear. Every oh, okay. single about thread, gotcha. he'd be like, he's gone. He's gone, and yeah, so that's what it's referring to. Okay, I never picked up on that. All righty. So uh, no, he's not gone. Yeah, <laughs> um, and you know, I'm sure like the Twitter guys who've been on there, like, dude, Nova Sad's going to be a Buckeye. You know, I, I, that's what I think I hate about social media. It's great that everybody's got a voice. It's also not great that everybody has a voice, but the one of the worst parts about it is just that you can say whatever you want to, and there's just no follow-up to it. It's just, it makes it all so empty that you can just say whatever and then just, like, you know there's accounts out there that have been dogging Nova Sad and Baylor for months, and they just disappear now. You know, it's yeah. like it never happened. I just, that's that's annoying. It's but. crazy because a lot of Baylor fans were super skeptical as well. About, yeah. I mean, they, they turned as well. Many thought he was going to go elsewhere, and so, I, I mean... That's fine. Like you're, everyone's entitled to their own opinion, right? I so, mean, that's uh, fair because some people are just like they're, you know, they got. Uh, I don't want to say PTSD. You know, there's yeah. just like an, an there's a lack of confidence there when like some big universities, especially in these NIL days, where you can just openly throw money. Um, yeah, I think there's rightfully uh, a reason to be concerned about Ohio State, but or A and M, where he's a legacy. Like I understood all that, and I'm sure some people yeah. probably thought I was a sunshine pumper, right? At times during this recruitment, um, and that's fine. You know what I mean? Like everyone's entitled to their own opinion, and I totally understand it because I think if I was on the flip side and not covering it and not following it, I would have I would have been like, oh man, is he really going to stick or is he going to leave? Um, so I mean, I totally get it. It's just funny to look back on it now. Yeah, I, I just I, I get annoyed with those who just throw crap around and then just never stick around to, you know. Right, to and I want to reiterate, I'm wrong. Like, I've been wrong a lot well, on I, the recruiting side. Like, I, I totally have been, so I understand it. This was just a situation where I happened to get it right, you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, and, uh, and being positive is not sunshine pumping, you yeah. know. Uh, that's not uh, just a widespread definition that you can just use for every positive mm -hmm. remark. Right. But, uh, yo, Jake, uh, what will you do now that Austin's recruitment is settled? More seriously, do you think his decision impacts other recruits sitting on the fence? Um, I mean, now I'm just going to focus on what they're going to do for 2023. And now, I mean, a lot of my focus is going to be on 2024, to be honest, because they're almost full with uh, the 23 class. They're going to have a few more. I think there's going to be a couple more battles, specifically as we get into the fall and as the uh, signing day approaches. I think that uh, you'll start to see Baylor battle a little bit for their final remaining spots. Uh, as far as impacting other recruits, maybe a little bit. I think it just shows kind of the recruiting ranking and the momentum that Baylor has. I think that's really intriguing. The problem is, is most of their additions are probably going to be on the defensive side. I think they probably only have one spot left on offense, and it's for maybe a wide receiver, like a best player available wide receiver. The rest is going to be on the defense. BU Bear 94 DFW, how do you see the Nova side shape and competition playing out once Austin arrives? Uh, you know, I hate these things because it's all speculation. Let's let them get through this Moving year. on to yeah. the next guy and, and things like that. I think Shapin's going to be the quarterback for two years. And then I think Austin will be the quarterback. So whatever that means, does that mean Shapin leaves early? I don't know. But I, I think that that's going to be a heck of a battle if they do end up battling when Shapin's a senior and Nova Sad's a redshirt freshman. But I expect Austin to redshirt his first year. 
Yeah, and uh, there's also, you know, questions about what does that mean for Kyron Drones and all that, and that's, you know. Let's, Whole other thing, yeah. That's like, And that's why it gets so messy talking about it in some ways, because it's like what happens here, and then how does that go? And then all of a sudden, if Drones leaves, well, then they're short on arms. And, and then you know, Austin's your backup. And let's just enjoy yeah. Austin Novosad's commitment as a point yeah. for, for, for today, at least, right. because we can spend a whole podcast on what could happen, but uh, that will be interesting. Lots of social media talk about Baylor winning this recruiting battle, and that perhaps he's Baylor's best quarterback, best ever quarterback recruit. Um, you're okay. Lots of social media talk about Baylor winning this recruiting battle, and that perhaps he's Baylor's best ever quarterback recruit. Your thoughts on how he compares to RG three Stidham and company? Yeah. So again, rankings wise versus my opinion. Rankings wise, Stidham is the best quarterback Baylor's ever recruited. It's not very close as far as the recruit rankings. My opinion, I think he's a better quarterback recruit than all of them. And that's coming out of high school, right? Because hindsight is, of course, RG3 is the best, you know, the best one they've ever recruited because he turned into Heisman and all this stuff. But if you look at the tools that Austin has, the offer list that he had, the amount of respected coaches who have watched him, evaluated him, and offered him, and then what he did, the Elite 11 mixed with his film, it's extremely impressive. And yeah, I do think he's the best quarterback they've ever recruited. And I'm very intrigued to see how he does in 6A competition this year because he's He's really going to get tested. Stifler's mom has ground been broken on the Fudge Football Ops Center yet. Any updates on the progress? If so, thanks. I don't, I don't believe so. I don't think it has yet, so. but I think it's going to very soon. Yeah, uh, I haven't been over in that area uh, often, Jack. They have a construction building there. Okay. There uh, construction building is there, but no ground's been broken per Jack, who's uh, our drone flyer and uh, <laughs> he gets to see all of the updates over on campus. But yeah, there's there's the freshest update that you're going to get. So no ground broken yet, but they've got things uh, in the works. So that should be getting underway uh, here pretty soon. And I'll ask Mac Rhodes about that. Um, I think we have him later today. Uh, but whenever we talk to him again, I'll, I'll try and – he's got a lot going on right now, so I don't know where the football ops center is really on his radar, but I'm sure it's on there somewhere, so we'll get an answer. Mikey, which of the following young receivers is your fave coming out of high school? In other words, who would you take if we could only have one? Hal Presley, Armani Winfield, Jordan Neighbors, or Micah Gifford? Oh, my gosh. This, this is such a tough one. Um, ah, I think based on film, um, man – I, th I think I'd go with Armani. Um, it is really close, though. And it's just because Armani was so polished, so his film looks the best from high school. Upside-wise, I think it's Neighbors or Presley. I think their speed is unique, their ability to separate downfield. But I think as far as in high school, I think it's Armani one field. To potentially expand upon Lavernia Bear's question, uh, how long have you all known for a fact that Austin would stay committed and just couldn't tell us? Um, I mean, I felt really good about it for two months. I never really got to a point where I was, you know, below like a 8.5 or 9 out of 10. So, I mean, knew for a fact that he would stay committed. Like, without a doubt, he was going to stay committed. I'd probably say that I, I felt like I knew he was going to stay committed for the last, like, two or three weeks. Are you relieved by... The official announcement from a fan perspective to hold it in secretly and to finally end the need of weekly updates. 
Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I mean, I'm <laughs> I'm ready for it to end. As you know, I had an article written. I thought it was going to be published a month ago, and it ended up waiting till now um, that I was able to to go in, add some things, and then post it. And I, you know, I'm excited for it to end. I'm excited for Austin that he could finish it before fall camp began, and now he can just focus on the season, which I know is what he wanted. All right, uh, here we go. Bruin92, how's Hal Presley doing? Is he fully recovered from his injury? I hope he breaks out this season. Yes, based on everything I heard, I think he's good to go for fall camp. Stat Boy, what do you think will be the top five most exciting and nerve-wracking Big 12 football games this season? Uh, is he talking, like, all I, Big 12? I, I would assume. I okay. Um, all Big 12. So, I think Baylor at Oklahoma is one to circle. I think Baylor-Oklahoma State is one that's like pivotal pivotal early in the season. I think Oklahoma State at OU at the end of the year is an absolutely massive one. You can't take out a Big 12 schedule without mentioning the Red River shootout. So Texas versus Oklahoma is on that list as well. Um, and then kind of a sneaky one. Uh, how about a sneaky one? Kansas State at Oklahoma, uh, early, uh, er, not early in the season, but a little bit, a little early in the year. I, I think that's going to be a very impactful one as well. So a lot of OU games, but I, I think that's just because I don't necessarily know what to expect from OU at this point, but I do believe that they're going to be extremely talented, extremely tough to beat, especially at home. Yeah, I think they're going to be really good. I just don't know if they're going to be like, you know, end of Lincoln Riley, not end of Lincoln Riley era because that kind of stunk, but you know what I mean? Lincoln Riley's team's at their best, and, you know, Stoops is still, like, they'd be like the national championship contenders. I, I don't know about that, but they'll definitely be, you know, Big 12 contenders, if not the favorites for a lot of people. So yeah, I think they'll be 7-2 and two in the Big 12 like they were a year ago. And then the non-conference. should be down here. Yeah, if funny. they beat Oklahoma, then they're, I mean, if they beat Nebraska, they're a 10-2 team on the year. That's a really good year. That's they what don't they beat were Nebraska. They better beat Nebraska. That would be that would be a horrible loss for them. Yeah. Um, for Baylor, I mean, I'll go at BYU, um, at West Virginia. Uh, I mean, like, there's got to be a home game in here somewhere, but... Man, their schedule's so freaking hard, man. It's like... Oklahoma State is probably a good one, right? Yeah, but I mean, that's... At BYU, Oklahoma State at home. OU and Texas, you have to throw in there. Those are both road games. So three of those are road games. And then... At West I mean, Virginia? Or do you want to go at Lubbock? I mean, like... No. I mean, but I'm just <laughs> saying, like, all these road games. So I guess if you think West Virginia is going to be good, then sure, them on a Thursday night. But, and they've uh, never beaten them. Yeah. In Morgantown. Yeah, I don't know that there's a really a stigma there anymore. And, you know, that, that was like, I mean, that's years old at this point. I don't really feel like the whole Morgantown aura is like quite what it was back when Kevin White was getting every pass interference call into the sun and it seemed like you couldn't <laughs> win out there. But they still haven't won out there. So, they, yeah, it would be a big deal. They were still going 7-5 and five those years, and Baylor just couldn't beat them. No. Weirdest thing. Yep. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, there's there's definitely an easy top five you could put together from just Baylor games. M. Tenery, 14. Grayson, you feel like Austin's reiterated commitment will have a positive impact on getting a late elite wide receiver commit for the 23 class? I mean, maybe. They got Micah Gifford committed, who they feel like's elite. I think this would be a matter of either flipping someone or landing someone who's maybe out of the box, like a Malachi Riley out of California. Maybe he's one that they're able to land. Um I don't think wide receiver is a priority, though, for this class. Like, I think they would take one if they feel like literally it's the best player available, but I don't think it's one where they're like, we have to have a receiver. I know that's kind of a bummer because when you add a guy like Nova said, you kind of want to be like, okay, now 
what offensive firepower are we getting him? But it's also like, you got to remember, if you look at Baylor's depth chart, look at all the receivers they've taken the last two years. It's just hard to imagine they're going to go out and just start throwing out wide receiver offers at guys. Your daily cup check. Call your shot. Who's the best 24 recruit we land? The best. The best one. Um, How about uh, Max Anderson? How about that? Max Anderson. uh, He's the brother of Nate Anderson. Who okay. is at Oklahoma? I'll be honest. I'm not up on the 24 class at this point. You got to give me a little bit of time. Although I need to start getting up on them because shoot, 23 is almost done at this point. Yeah, I, I think I'll call my shot with him. I know a lot of people probably want me to say DJ Lagway, um, but I, I think Max seems like a guy that they could land who would be a really nice fit on the offensive line. So I'll go with him. There's a lot of guys that I could name, honestly, though, that I feel like Baylor's going to have a great chance at landing, um, like a Peyton Pierce on the defensive side out of Lovejoy. Uh, he's a high four-star. He's got offers from everyone. So he'd be another one. There's a lot of guys, though. Ryan Allen Long, hi Craig, hi Grayson. What's the most important question that needs to be answered? Team, individual, position battle, et cetera, during fall camp this year. Thanks, I'll hang up and listen. I think the two things are how good is Blake Shapin and then the safety position. Um, I think on the back end, uh, you know, corner has questions, but I think the back end of the safety spot, I think a lot of the cornerback question marks last year got answered because of JT Woods' 4.38 speed. And I, they don't have that this year. They don't have someone who runs quite like that. So I think that's definitely a big question mark for me. And then, like I said, Blake Shapin, how good is he? Is he one of the three best quarterbacks in the Big 12? Or is he just an okay quarterback kind of like Gary was a year ago? Because to me, that dictates what their ceiling is. And I think he didn't play a whole year last year. And so now we got to figure out where does he take this offense? Are they now a top 10 offense? Or are they just, you know, a top... 35 offense so i think that's a big one yeah that's that's definitely a huge question is um yeah how good is your trigger man and can he stay healthy and all those types of things and can he be a you know threat week in and and week out and then yeah i just think about elsewhere just the the unknowns with skill guys offensively and defensively it's just there's lots of question marks a lot of talent but just don't know for sure at running back don't know for sure at receiver don't know for sure at corner don't know for sure at safety it's just like you know, do you think you know, but we need to like actually see um, all those things. So, yeah, your, your quarterback and then your your big questions at uh, all your skill spots. Uh, Bear in the big greenhouse. Hi, y'all. Or I guess Texas Turtle Girl commented that she's uh, literally excited about all the, the Baylor sports. And, you know, as far as ranking, who's got the highest ceiling? Uh, she says all of it. Bear in the big greenhouse. Hi, y'all. Looking forward to the podcast. Call your shot. Who's going to be the biggest riser during fall camp? On offense, I think it's going to be Hal Presley. And on defense, I think it's going to be Josh White. Yeah, I think Josh White will be uh, be fun to see out there on the field. Um, he's definitely a good candidate. Uh, yeah, outside of that, I don't know. Maybe one of the – I mean, depends on your – Definition of riser, I guess, right. but like a, maybe one of the Devons, you know, on defense uh, would be good as well. But Josh White seems like a great candidate, and uh, offense, one of the receivers. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Right. yeah. I'll just go with one who, of the receivers. Who do you think is the most likeliest to break out at receiver? 
if you had to like i need to like refresh my memory on who all they still yeah. have at this point you know because I, I think for me it's like how presley or josh cameron Winfield, yeah and, and josh cameron i think broke out in the spring so it's like what what is a true breakout for him but how and armani kind of did too so it's how just seems like good candidate i'm you know maybe jalen ellis finally gets it all together we'll see that's <laughs> that's a long ask because we've been asking that yeah. for a while i mean there's this kind of a year where for like him seth jones i would have said the same for like jackson gleason if he wouldn't yeah. have uh retired or quit or whatever he ended up doing, but he's no longer on the team. You know, Squirrel Williams, I say this for, it's like, okay, this is a big year to kind of just see what's what now at this point. He's been around a while. I know with Squirrel, it's been just injuries, and I think for the other guys, it's been the biggest bugaboo too. But, you know, obviously it's like, okay, but now we got to see something. Uh, now it's time. Um, so, yeah, uh, those those would be the – the the biggest risers, uh, Dak G, JD ninety. Who do you think is a better quarterback? RG three entering his sophomore year at Baylor or Novasad today entering his senior year of high school? I saw someone Come say on, that Novasad was a better quarterback than RG three at this point, and I think that's why this question got brought up. Yeah, I'm sorry, sure. but I can't get behind that. I no. mean, RG three. I know RG three wasn't at his peak as a sophomore. But he still had been in college and faced the rigors of college football, and he also didn't have a great team. So numbers might be a little deceiving at that point, but it's RG3. I mean, he's the GOAT of Baylor football. That's just such a tough comparison for anyone. And now we're doing it to a kid that hasn't even played his senior yeah. year yet. Yeah, and you know, some of that's just having fun with it, and right. I understand that. And then some of that's like actually like there's some seriousness to it, but – I mean, come on, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's RG three getting into his third year of college versus a, like you said, a guy who's not even played his senior year of high school yet. So, um, yeah, I think that's kind of silly. Yeah. And I, and I think Austin, you know, he's still got to grow, right? He's still got growing to do weight to put on. Like it would be tough to oh, excuse just me, entering in. his second year of college, RG three, right. not third year. Yeah. But it would just be tough to throw Austin into a college game right now and just be like, Oh yeah. Like let, let's go be as good as RG three who'd been in college for, you know, two years yeah so. i mean it's exciting that people are excited about him though to the level of yeah. actually legitimately wondering that question and about his talent level but yeah i mean it's 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 a good thing that nova sad's got people excited about his his upside and and what he could bring to the table it's a it's a massive commit obviously and a massive uh recommit uh last night uh b lantham thank you dak uh b lantham four uh, based on how Baylor's been recruiting, do you think the future offensive and defensive lines could be better than the current ones we have? I mean, dude, these are yeah. pretty good lines on both sides coming into this year. That's um, tough. I I think that on the defensive line, it's going to be tough to be better than what they're at because yeah. you got Apu, and you're so deep, right? When you have Apu and Jackson at nose tackle, and then you got Gabe, TJ Franklin, you got proven guys like Cole Maxwell, Bray Nutley, and Cheedy. That's going to be tough to duplicate. So I don't, I don't think that the guys that they've recruited currently are going to be better than this current group. I think that's a tough ask. Offensive line wise is a little bit different though for me. I, you know, I think Connor Galvin's going to be very hard to replace. Um, but I think Connor's probably going to be what maybe a third round pick. Something like that. I think they could have someone, maybe an Alvin Ebosele or someone along those lines who ends up being, you know, maybe a first-round pick. I think some of the guys they've added, a Calvin Clements, um, you know, he could fit that Sean Tompkins. So I think the they have some guys who could be higher NFL picks, and I think they could also say the same on the at center and at guard as well. I think you could see upgrades there. So offense line-wise, I think they could be better. Defense line, I think it's going to be a really, really tough ask. 
So that'll do it. That'll bring us to a close this week. Uh, thanks to uh, the number of you who all sent in questions, and uh, we got to, I believe, all of them, and hopefully you got adequate answers in return, and, and hopefully we do hear from some of y'all uh, again as we get back into uh, the swing of things as far as fall camp getting underway. Next time we join y'all, fall camp will have started, and, of course, that just means we're counting down the days to the actual football season as well and uh, exciting times with the Nova said uh, decision last night and more recruiting to be done and just more to more to get excited for so uh, Grayson anything before we go no just like I said be sure to check out uh, the Austin Nova said interview that I did today uh, really really good stuff and get to hear from the 2023 quarterback commit himself and then also check out the premium side we have all kinds of content you could have followed along with Austin Nova said's recruitment all along if you'd been a premium subscriber and then also of course 365 sports radio every day from three to six Monday through Friday Yep, uh, we'll be talking about Novasad and a lot of other things as well across the college football landscape on 365 Radio, 365 Sports. So uh, definitely tune in. You hear myself, Smokey, and Paul. But uh, outside of that, yeah, definitely stay tuned to not only the radio show but also the website. And uh, let's get excited. It's exciting times for Baylor football and the program. Uh, they're in a, a very unique and fun spot right now and a lot of promise for this upcoming season as well. So we'll talk about all the latest with you next week, whatever that ends up being. But uh, for now, thanks for listening. As always, this has been the BearCast, and thanks to all the guys behind the scenes as well, full crew, uh, helping us sound good uh, on the podcast and uh, on the radio airwaves as well. But until next time, thanks to Grace and I'm Craig Smoke. This has been the BearCast on Sikkim365.com.